Welcome to the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, in studio today. Great to be with you. Great What's to up? be with you, sir. How's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's uh, it's a great time of year for me working at a school that, uh, you know, you're ramping up for the coming year. It always seems like it's going to be the best year ever. <clears throat> I guess that's just me. That's just my attitude. Like, I always think this is going to be the best ever. Right. I never start something saying, this is going to be okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, because if, cause if that's the plan, I go back to the drawing board and I'm like, no, 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 no. It has to be the best ever. What's well, funny, <laughs> maybe you'll challenge me uh, because we're on different calendars, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to hit, you know, the January 1 calendar for the year and say, ah, this is going to be the best year ever. But you think in a different calendar, mm-hmm. you're, you're on the school mm-hmm. calendar, right? So, That's like, right. you're thinking, like, oh, you know, August 1st or whatever, like, this is going to be the best year. And your year is starting mid-year. That's true. In the way, like, you're kind of, like, you know, thinking practically is what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. maybe we'll, like, I'll ramp you up in January. That sounds awesome. You ramp me up in August. <laughs> All and right. we're going to just help each other through the year. That sounds awesome. Well, do you feel ramped up right now? Yeah. Have like, I gotten you ramped up? Like, literally, when you said <laughs> I'm excited for the year, it kind of hit me like, wait, my, the year's almost over, halfway. <laughs> you know, and then I'm, like, excited now. There you go. That's that's the kingdom of God right there. We, we excite each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in on the radio. KLFT here in... Uh, Katie Anna, it's awesome to be with you on the podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, um, SoundCloud. Great, great to be a part of the show. Actually, you know, we got to see each other. Uh, yeah. You know, this weekend we went to we went to a wedding of a mutual, you know, acquaintance friend. You know, and yeah, a couple you were, y'all were mentoring you and Gretchen. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. We did their you know their marriage prep. We a mentor couple for them and really got to know cute little couple, love them to death and. Uh, it was wonderful to be with them, and then uh, you, you knew them from school and the mm-hmm. community. You read the gospel. You got up there like a, just a Mac Daddy <laughs> Deacon. It's always interesting, you know, deacon. for those of you guys who you know, a, you know, one of the biggest questions that I get oftentimes about the show is like, "What's Adam like? What's he look like?" Really? Yeah. And um, well, spoiler alert: you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. What you know? It's like. So anyway, I actually showed your picture to someone the other day who was like, well, what's that? What's Adam even look like? You know, I was like, mm-hmm. you've never, you know, I've never seen Adam. But anyway, what's really funny is because I've been knowing you, you know, for over 10 years. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. And, um, but to see you now, like in a deacon role, like when you're actually like vested at mass and I'm like, wait, that's, that's Adam. <laughs> that's true. You know, it's like, I'm trying to like register it and you got up, read the gospel, knocked it out of the park. You said all the words yeah. correctly. Yeah, I've been working on English for a long time. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Yeah, so, you did good. Thankfully, I got that straight. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then a mutual friend, Paul Hood. I mean, it's a small world because none of us, like, I didn't grow up with these people. I don't think you knew Lee and them. I don't know. You did did ministry in the Alexandria area, so mm-hmm. I guess you might have met their family whatever right. else. But uh, Paul Hood, another mutual friend who's been on this show, um, was very close to them, and so to, to her, the bride... And so he read at the wedding. So it was, uh, it was something. And he had he had the best first reading. Do you remember this? Yeah, I mean he had like Song of Songs, and it was the Old Testament Song of Songs reading, where yeah. it's just like really kind of you know, it's it's lover poetry. Yeah, and he had to deliver it's, that. It's a sweaty reading. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. it. Begins with the word hark. So yeah, that's, that's the catchphrase. And now. gazelle hark. It did have the word gazelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and then. Uh, so we're hanging out at the wedding and then Adam's like, let's go sit where it's kind of quiet. So we kind of mingle away from like all the noise and the mm-hmm. band and we're sitting like this nice little quiet table, 
with a couple other guys just kind of like catching up and it's really nice and some <laughs> server just comes up and you got us, got us kicked out of the room yeah he said y'all gotta leave you can't sit there <laughs> yeah no one was there that happened and um yeah i i don't regret the 15 minutes we were able to actually talk yeah. a little more freely because it wasn't so loud there i don't regret that. we were just sitting and you but got us kicked out of I the room do, i do regret getting my friends kicked out of an area yeah yeah the old cleric gets us kicked out that's yeah nice. i'm the bad boy deacon they all they all say that that's true all right <laughs> do you have a have you seen what did you say that is so interesting oh, for real though are you ever impressed by unlikely friendships like you, wow those two people really on paper don't make sense yeah they would never i'd never put them together mm-hmm. yeah well then you're gonna love this story have you seen that would kind of describe us a little bit <laughs> well maybe this is the icon of us okay have you seen, uh, it's, this is out of India, apparently, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they this, do arranged friendships? Well, this tiger and this mountain goat became mm. best friends. Buddies. Now, there's a reason they became best friends. So this is, this is a, um, a goat that's like not, not like a Louisiana goat. Like if you're driving around, somebody has goats, this is not that type of goat. This is a mountain goat. They're huge. It looks like it can kill me. Yeah. And then... This is a real tiger, right? Like a, a Bengal, no, a Serbian tiger. And it's a real tiger. They just started commingling? Well, they were captured, and by the zoo that was supposed to be taking care of them, had them very, like their cages touched each other. Yeah. And uh, so they just started spending a lot of time together, right? And apparently over time, because at first they were not good friends. Like this was not a good idea. The goat, the lion, I'm sure the goat... Um, was ready to defend itself with its big horns. The lion was ready to attack and eat. But over time, because they were together for over a year in this way, they actually became really good friends and started to look out for each other when it came to food and things like that. They would share their food. Um, When one was gone, there was a sense of anxiety in the other. Um, Yeah, so anyway, they, uh, they became best friends. Unfortunately, the zoo got around to actually put them in their habitats. Mm hmm. And uh, there's no update story. Maybe they completely forgot about each other. But in India, this became a big deal, like a symbol of brotherhood and friendship and that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, the mountain goat and the the tiger. It sounds like a a scripture being fulfilled or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just getting along at the end of times. Everybody's (laughs) just, like, uniting. Yeah. You you know, that would describe our our friendship. I think that that would go well. Which one am I? Well, I mean, I don't the goat. Know. We know it. I'm the goat. Well, we all know it. The the Indian goat. I mean, there's this thing's huge. It's it's like a how would you? It, it's almost looks like a. Um, it's kind of like if a wolf had horns. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Looking at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm no one's throw rug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you would be the throw rug. People would want you in their house on their floor. Right. Well, now that I have my braces off, they definitely. It's like. <laughs> Man, have you seen our throw rug? It's looking yeah. a lot better these days yeah. compared to the way he was. Yeah, you would be the luxurious rug, you know, Yeah, of the two of us. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I mean, it's kind of a funny story, but, you know, here's what I love. And I'm going to go back, way back, <clears throat> to way my conversion back. days. Like, in high school, I had had really what I would say, like, my first conversion as a young man. And here's one of the... Here's one of the major changes that happened in my life, other than like obviously like when we come to Christ and we start to 
you know, reroute our life, right? Like we certainly like stop doing the old things. You know, St. Paul says, you know, um, <clears throat> we're, you know, we're new in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. We start to shed away the old self, right? As scripture says. So yeah, that started to happen. And that was a long process for me, right? It didn't happen overnight. Uh, but here's the major change that happened is I started hanging out and intermingling with people who were completely different than me. Mm-hmm. Who the only thing we had in common was that they were trying to love Jesus as well. We had different likes and dislikes and hobbies and were involved in different things at school. And, you know, there were the, you know, the band nerds and the cheerleaders and the, the football players and the, you know, the <clears throat> rock and rollers all sort of intermingling and in what united everyone together in friendship, like true friendship, like not just like, hey, uh, and I think a lot of people are like, wait, y'all can't do that. You're like, y'all can't hang out together. It doesn't make sense. Y'all's friendship does not make sense because they didn't understand the, the bond that was the common denominator, which was trying to be a disciple of Jesus, like trying to follow Jesus. And it was just really cool because some of those friendships, those authentic friendships in Christ, I still have today. Mm-hmm. All the way tracing back, you know, to late high school days, 17, 18 years old. Well, not to overanalyze this too much, but I think what you're saying is really important if we've never had those types of Christian friendships because it affects our relationship with Jesus, I think. Because if we're used to surrounding ourselves, even in Christian friendships with people that are just like us, there's a good chance that our relationship with Christ is not very challenging to us Mm -hmm. because we relate to him in a way that he's just like me. Like, I seek out people just like me, so I seek out Christ who is just like me. Right. But when we learn the art of making friends with people that are our only commonality is Christ, right? Like you think differently than me, you look differently than me, you have a different approach to life, you worship differently, like all these things. But but you do love Jesus, and so do I. We begin to look for the difference in the other and let it benefit me, right? Like I want to grow from your difference. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we need with Christ because He saves us because He's different than me, because He's God, because He is perfect like those are all the reasons that his sacrifice matters like his salvation comes to me but i have access to him because he's like me he became human but if i just leave it there if i just only focus on the way i'm like jesus already i i don't grow at all i need to learn how to focus on the way i'm not like jesus right like jesus who thinks differently than me jesus who talks differently than me right right and so the art of christian friendship when you're friends with people who are not like you really is a great preparation for your friendship with christ yeah. No, I mean, and, you know, if we only hung out with people who we all had the same likes and dislikes, and we wouldn't really wouldn't grow. And I think that's what happens when we're not following crisis. We just stay real safe, you know, in yeah. our relationships. But, you know, if anybody was looking out from the outside, they would never they would never put us to get you and I together in a friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, we have completely different hobbies. We look different. We're different ages. You know, we you know, we different talents, you know, like, like you it, have some and I don't like we laugh at those things. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm in the sports and you're not, you play music. I know. Like, and the, you know, the thing is, is like the beauty of it is that we, like the common denominator is Christ. And we just want what's best for each other. Like that's what's friendship. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we learn from each other. I mean, there's things that you teach me and, and vice versa, just by being in friendship. And that, that's the beauty of, of what it means to, to follow Christ is like, you know, you, you end up, um, becoming, you know, 
brothers and sisters, some of the most unlikely of folks who you never would have united with uh, outside of Christ. That's what the disciples looked like. I mean, if you think they were cookie cutter, like all cut from the same thread, you're wrong. Go read the Gospels. You know, men and women alike who followed Christ, you would have never placed in the same room. You would have never, they would have never hung out. Matthew would have never hung out with Peter. That's right. Like it it literally wouldn't have, Mary Magdalene would have never followed Jesus uh, along with the other crew of men and women. Like like Mary, the mother of God, would have never hung out with, with, you know, Mary Magdalene, like it, none of it makes sense outside of Christ, right? And mm-hmm. and the beauty of it is what, what unites us is that Christ allows us to see the true self in other people and in ourself. And so it brings unity in relationships. Mm-hmm. It's a beauty. And it's the only thing that can. Um, I think we see images of that in the world where you have, let's say, sports. You know, like for example, if you've been to a professional sporting event, you're going to sit next to people who are going to get very excited about the game that you've never met before. It's like on paper, there's no reason for you to be together other than the sport. But that's a passing thing. And I think we really appreciate those experiences, like when we show up at a game. It's one of the reasons we go to games. If you were the only one there watching this, the, the same game, you wouldn't pay for that. Right. right? Like the shared experience amongst people you've never met and right. will never talk to. Like on the other side of the stadium, I'm never talking to those people. Um, but the shared experience of something you love is important to the human heart and to human life. But it's that that is an image of what we desire in heaven. I mean, that's an image of what we desire in the communion of saints. It's not enough, right? And I think one of the tragedies of, of men today, even in the church, is um, our our poor experience of Christian community causes us to seek it elsewhere. And sometimes that even causes us to miss mass to go to those communities. But I would say the greater tragedy is when it doesn't, right? Like if, if I go to mass, say my prayers, but I'm not engaging in the Christian community at all, I don't have Christian friendships, I can stay like that for years, hmm. right? And yeah. never grow in my faith, never, never grow in my relationship with Jesus, but not feel like I'm doing anything wrong. Right. I mean, if you look at in all the problems in the world, in our culture and society, I mean, it really it really stems from, you know, just division, right? Like hatred, division just, just continues to breed, you know, I don't like you. I hate you. We see differently. I, you know, and these divisions just create, you know, this absolute chaos in the world, you know, and, and what's the answer? The answer is Christ. Like, you know, Jesus allows us to love those who, who are different than us. And, you know, like, like that's the answer in, in the world today. But, but the reality is that division is, is at an all-time high in a sense of, like, between men and women, in marriages, uh, in friendships, in, in between Christians, between denominations, between mm-hmm. cultures, between, you know, you know countries, and, and all those things that we look at, and it, and it just seems daunting, a daunting task, right? Well, we can learn from uh, Timor the Goat. And Amor the tiger. Is that their names? Yeah, Timor and Amor. It and almost sounds Cajun, but Indian, like, like <laughs> T. Timor. Timor is, you know, <laughs> T-boy. It's true. But I think the lesson learned from them is what brought them together. They simply shared life together. Hey, look, look, we got it. Right? We got it. That share, was it. We got to share this pasture. They abided with each other, if you will. They, they remained together. They remained together. And so they began to understand each other. They began to understand what the others needed, 
what they why they did what they did and then they actually began to help each other get what they needed mm-hmm. and um in the church in the world like all these divisions the only resolution is to share life again together i mean it's not it's not actually the thing we're fighting about and that's what you learn in marriage if you're happily married at all you've learned this the thing you're fighting about is not the actual like that's not going to resolve it right because in the end if you're right or i'm right about this thing is not the same thing as why aren't we in unity that's right. a different question yeah and the answer to that question is always we need to spend more time together we need to share life better together right. And yeah. um, as a church, we, we've gotten really poor at sharing life together for a lot of reasons. I mean, we, we're we very busy in America, right? We're very about so many things. And so who has time to actually share life with other Christian disciples? I mean, that's just, who has time for that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that, like, that's, that's sort, of, sort of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844 844- Three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George Deacon, Adam Gonk, in studio. Thanks for being a part of the show today. You know, we're talking in the first segment about a tiger and a ram, goat, goat, mountain goat, Timor yeah. the. Huge mountain goat. By yeah. the way, if you see the picture, they're almost the same size. Yeah. That is a huge goat. Yeah, it's a big goat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, as we were talking, you know, the differences uh, in, you know, in relationships and friendships and people uh, and, and the, the common denominator of the unity is Christ. It's interesting because, you know, if you were to say, like, you know, give me one word that would describe um, disciple of Jesus, you know, you had to like pare it down to one word and you, and you just kind of like thought and thought and the gospel makes it really clear actually in the gospel of John, when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, uh, he, he uses a, an analogy that they would have known very well with, with the vine and the branches and grapes and wine. He would have known that they would have all the disciples would have understood and seen what he was talking about, right, Mike? So you and I here, we don't walk around and see a vineyard, you know, so you got to image it in your mind, but that would have been a very common image to them. Um, so he's talking about the vine and the branches. He says over and over in the Gospel of John, remain in me, abide in me, like vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branch. Remain in me, abide in me. And he uses those two words interchangeably, and, th- like, if you were to say, what is one word that would describe a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, it would be someone who um, committed to remaining in Christ, to abiding in him. And, and then that means a whole bunch of things. I- I'm committed to prayer. I'm committed to, you know, walking with Jesus, to, to growing, learning, uh, serving, loving, all, all the, th- you know, uh, 
committed to the sacraments, mass, all those things would flow under there, but without abiding and remaining, none of those things can happen. Like the first thing is I have to attach myself to Jesus and walk with him. You're nailing it right, right on the wall there. That, yeah. Well, and to speak to that analogy, it takes a lot to abide the same way it takes a lot for a branch to stay on the vine, because for a branch to stay on the vine it takes like photosynthesis, takes um, growth constantly, because if it stops growing, that means it's dead. Like there's a lot the branch that needs to happen with the branch to stay on the vine. And it takes our entire, what the church theology calls spiritual organism, which means everything. It takes faith, hope, and charity. It takes the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It takes um, a deepening prayer life. It takes conversion from sin. It takes all those things. But what's what's the purpose of all of it? Like, what is it all designed to do? It's designed to keep me attached to the vine. That's what the whole project is about. And in that way, everything is about discipleship, because... Mm-hmm discipleship is not just a temporary thing. We want to stay attached to this vine forever, right? And But the way to do that in this life is it takes all of it. It takes the sacraments. It takes friendship. It takes, I mean, you name anything to do with Christian life, it's all about abiding in Christ and not letting our attention or our not getting detached from Christ it takes everything we have. Yeah, and here's the tension point. I'm just going to name it for all of us and everyone. This is a common denominator. You know, we need God and we want to be happy. And, and so then we, we attach ourselves, you know, to Christ, right? There, there's been a moment, maybe we're at church or at mass or a retreat or, you know, what, whatever. Like, you know, and, and, and then we, we're like, okay, you know, I'm attaching my heart to Jesus, follow him. And then, and then here's the tension point because Jesus talks about this. He, you know, he says to remain in me, he, he talks about pruning. Like, if you want to grow, then I actually have to prune the vine and the branches. I have to cut away the old stuff or the stuff that's having a hard time, like, like growing. So I have to prune away. And then that's when we're like, nah, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so at the, at the very core of following Jesus and being a disciple is allowing Jesus to cut away and to prune. This is, this is like a long journey, but it's also a healing process for us, Right. Like the tension of the world is that the lack of unity is that not only we're not unified with Christ, but like we're buried in our own woundedness. And so if if my woundedness collides with yours, we're not friends. Like we just continue to go at each other. I mean, the biggest problem in the world, you know, is this disunity between men and women. Like you see this, this like hatred, right? Like this movement of, and it's like, even in the church, because it's like, well, the wound in you as a woman and the wound in me as a man, if those things, those things cannot unite, they just, it's like oil and water, mm-hmm. right? And you're right, it's, it's the greatest cultural tragedy because if, if we don't think about this enough, the world recreates itself every generation. I mean, remember that, right? The world is ancient, but none of us alive today were alive 150 years ago. No, I wouldn't. Right? So the world literally is recreated all the time and who's been tasked with handing on the world to the next the next generation it's parents right it's mom and dad it's men and women it's in as men as women we are literally bringing the world into birth all the time and so this yes this clash this tension between us as men and women is the foundational problem in the world it was in the beginning with the original sin and it will be until christ comes again and, we, and our job is to break that generational curse and set up the next generation, our own children, 
you know, to have a better life of healing. But, you know, if you were to say, okay, pick one word that would define the very heart of marriage, it would be unity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, not happiness, unity. Like man and woman are united. The two mm-hmm. become one flesh. Like that's scripture. And it, and I've lived it out. Like when we're in unity, it's like everything's in rhythm, right? Like, and then when there's tension, the enemy just wants lack of unity, right? Mm-hmm. And then I sit in my own brokenness and woundedness, and then it just, it just collides with Gretchen's, and it's like, oh, there's division, right? And unless we work through that, and and allow the Lord to prune us, and grow us in our unity, we're we're gonna end up just living either an unhappy marriage, a disunified marriage, or just. But it also happens in the workplace and our culture, yeah, uh, where <clears throat> where where just either we help each other grow in our brokenness in Christ and be pruned and it, and it, and, and it works or we just collide with it. And it just becomes these dumpster fires all over. Right. But yeah. to remain is also to be pruned so that we can then be fruitful in our growth without being pruned. We cannot grow. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons marriage prunes even if you're not great at marriage, if you're committed, if you abide with it, one of the reasons it prunes, I mean, the word conjugal, which is like conjugal love, marital love, conjugal is literally means to the same end. So conjugal love is marital love is you and me, me and the spouse will go to the end together. We have the same end, right? And when that's true, when you and I are stuck together to the end, then I'm res- like I have a responsibility for you. You have a responsibility for me. It's not the same as you know. We like each other all the time. We really get along great all the time. Everything's really great. So marriage. No, the point of marriage is to go to the end together. Unity, as you said, and that's an icon of really most relationships. You mentioned coworkers. What end brings us together? And it's not. I shouldn't just hang out with the people I like. I shouldn't just gravitate to the coworkers I like. I should think, what is our end of being together? Why did God bring us together? What is the end? And I'm responsible for the people that have the same end. Because if you're in the same job as me, if we're working for the same end, I have responsibility for you. And I can't just ignore you. or I can't treat you badly and say, oh, because you treat me badly, I can. We have responsibility to each other when we share the same end. Right. Um, that's a hard lesson to learn. And some people don't want to share in that responsibility, right? Like that we're trying to work with. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, and, and in good friendships, I think more in fraternal friendships, like in, in our fraternal and, and women together, you know, we can, you can be in friendship and walk with Christ enough to help each other prune like, Hey, you know, grow in this area, vice versa. And in marriage, we can do that. <clears throat> but ultimately the responsibility falls on us as a disciple to mm-hmm. allow ourselves to be pruned. We don't do the pruning. Right. God does. Right. Jesus, the, the grace prunes us in a, in a beautiful way. He's, he's very gentle with, with us. But, but uh, I mean, do you remember the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi? Mm-hmm. You know, he would, he would slightly clip those bonsai trees, those little, those little trees, you know, bonsai, yeah. you know, and he, he'd just barely clip them. And he would talk about like how, you know, you just very prune them and then they grow these beautiful little trees. I mean, that that's the gentleness of how God treats our own life and our heart when he talks about pruning. It's not like, oh, I'm just snapping branches and throwing you <laughs> on the ground. You know, like, like pruning is a very delicate process of just really 
finding those areas in those little small places just clip away so that the growth can happen. Now, I'm not, I'm not a gardener. No, right? neither am I. But from what I understand, the purpose of pruning is you'll have these branches that are growing in a certain direction, but the gardener doesn't want it to grow in that direction because it's better for the plant to produce more fruit to grow in a specific direction, a specific way. So when branches of a vine or a, um, a bush or whatever are going the way we don't want, mm-hmm. we cut that off so that it, in the end it's more fruitful. And I, that's one of the reasons it hurts when Jesus prunes us, because literally what's happening is in us are desires, ends that he doesn't intend, that we want. That's not best for us to bear the most fruit, not best for us in the end. And he's got to literally cut them. You know, and it, right. it it hurts because we want those things. We want that thing we're too attached to, it, whatever. And the hurt needs to be every time that hurts as a as a disciple. It's part of the art of discipleships. Is that when we feel the resentment, the bitterness, the pain, we have to ask ourselves, "What am I wanting that I shouldn't want?" Because that's what that's where that resentment is coming from. Hmm. That's where the pain is coming from. Is that right. Jesus is pruning me? He's teaching me to not want something that I do want. Right. And then how do I invest my desire where he does want it? Mm-hmm. What should I want in this situation? And this is essential to be a disciple because Jesus will prune us. Mm-hmm. He will clip our desires. We're not going to like it. Anytime we feel that, we have to say, well, okay, where is Jesus directing me? What does he want me to want? Right. Because I don't want it yet, or I don't want it. Right. You know, and for me, that's not hard. Like I go through any day and I feel that, like this tension, this bitterness or whatever, and I have to ask myself, okay, where is Jesus calling me to direct? Mm-hmm. And there's always an answer. There's always an answer. Yeah. Okay, so, man, whew, we need a break from that. Yeah? But not a real break. <laughs> like a weird Catholic stuff break. What? Paul, you just made that up. Nope. There's no way that Catholics are that weird. I'm telling you. Get it. Why are they so weird? Weird Catholic stuff! So, someone was actually asking me the other day, who listens to the show, if that was pre recorded. I was like, nope, that's alive. It's a live yell. It's true. It's a live yell. It's a live yell. Every time. Yeah, every time. Every time. Um,. So I, I'm coming to really enjoy these segments because there are so many weird stories that I had no idea. Like last last week, wasn't that crazy? These seven uh, people that died in the cave for 200 years. 200 were years. Yeah. Well, this one's equally crazy. Okay. <laughs> they should make a movie out of this. They sh- and I don't even know what it is yet. It's it's a weird story. Okay. Um, Saint Quiteria. Quiteria. Saint Quiteria. Okay. Um, here's the story of Saint Quiteria. Okay. All right. St. Quiteria uh, was a non-euplet. I don't have I think no... I'm saying that right. Non-euplet, which is nine children born at once. Whoa. Non- okay. Non-euplet. In, any idea what year around she was born? Um, or... It sounds like, I mean, it was in the Roman persecution, so within the first 300 years of the church. Holy smokes. I didn't even know that, w- that was possible medically back then. Like people yeah. would just Because so many people died in childbirth and so many kids died. So that's a miracle in itself. Okay. Yeah. Non-Euplet. And they're all girls, so all sisters. Nine sisters. Nine. Wow. Yes. Okay. Um, so their mother, um, 
apparently wasn't the nicest lady in the world. Mm-hmm. All right, Maybe she was she... probably stressed. <laughs> I bet she was stressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like before they knew what PSD was. Yeah, you know, like actually, you're right. This could have been postpartum depression, but basically, she was not pleased with the whole thing. Maybe she wasn't expecting nine. Really? It's likely she wasn't expecting nine kids to come It's likely out. she was overwhelmed. It's likely that some of them looked pretty bad because I can imagine fighting for nu- nutrients in one womb. I don't know. You know, the birth defects, who knows? There's a lot of likelies there, but yes. But uh, she was a rough woman, apparently. because So she ordered her maid to drown the children in the river. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So she was not into the nine kid thing. Right. She was expecting She was one. obviously... F- Extremely depressed. And these yeah. four are the days where there's medication for That's stuff right. like that. That's right. So she says, go drown the kids. Now, the maid just, just couldn't do it. All right? So she said, yeah, I'll go drown them. And she gives them a, a, a home. She finds a home for them. Oh, so she does it. And then, like, basically, <clears throat> okay. And the kids grow up. Um, like in foster care, basically. Basically. And I don't know if it was a Christian home. The, the article doesn't say. But they, they found Christianity early. Okay. All right? And they all became Christian. Okay. Okay. Um, now all nine grew up to be apparently beautiful and there were Roman suitors for them. This happened with a lot of Christian martyrs at the time. Like somebody wanted to marry them and they refused and they refused, uh, all nine and all nine were locked in a tower. Okay. Okay. Because they refused. All right. I know this sounds like, this is where it gets interesting. They're all twins. This is where it gets interesting. They're all twins. (laughs) They're all, we don't know if they're I identical. I doubt they're identical, but, yeah. But they're all beautiful by this point. They're all the same age. Um, when they got They all age. survived. Correct. So <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. Mm. <laughs> it gets better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the sisters, including St. Uh, Quiteria, escaped from the tower like heroically. They figured it out. I'm sure nine people, they got it together. Like, like tangled. I guess so. They, they let down their hair. And um, they decided that they weren't going to run from these Roman soldiers the rest of their life. So they hid in the woods and started fighting back against these Roman soldiers that wanted to marry them. Um, And Quiteria was the leader. So they basically did like guerrilla warfare from the woods. She's like a modern, the first Joan of Arc. Yeah, not trying to kill them, but like attacking them every now and then, aggravating them, like just... Not making them... Like, leave us alone. Exactly. And um, it worked. Eventually, they just said, look, we're, we're done. Just just go about your business. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> any good man would be like, yeah, I don't want to marry that. I don't want to marry you. Like... Right. Any wise person would have been like, yeah. I mean, if they're like that now... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what would they be like if we get married? That's right. You know? Well, I'm sure a group of nine Roman friends were talking about friendship earlier. They were like, we hit the jackpot. These are nine sisters, beautiful, beautiful ladies. We could all marry them. And they're like, no. Yeah, those people who are like dating, you know, discerning marriage. Like, if you get issues like this early on, mm-hmm. you probably should just be like, yeah, it's probably not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they let them go. And uh, at least St. Quiteria used her freedom to pursue holiness more and more and uh, became a saint. I don't know about the rest of the sisters, though. But she was a saint. Yeah. Did she die a martyr, or she just was no, like this it holy? It doesn't say. I don't. Woman. She's not listed as a martyr, so uh, I think she just. So she never married. She was celibate for the Lord. Seems like it. Yeah. And mm. uh, but I mean, that sounds like a really good movie. I would watch that movie. 
That would be a good movie. You know, like them fighting for their freedom yeah. through like hiding in the woods and just attacking these men every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of go story. with what we're talking about, like the division in it's a world true. between man and woman. But the thing is, is like for man, you can't force yourself on woman. Like there has to right. be freedom. There has to be full consent of man and woman to say, yes, I can, I give you my heart. Like I, I love you. Like, you know, like. You know, relationships can't can't be forced. They they have to be free. That's right. And the same goes in our relationship with God. Like it, it's got to be, it's got to be a free uh, consent. Like God's a loving Father; He doesn't force Himself on anyone. Yeah. Well, and I think venial sin is a lot like hiding in the woods and throwing arrows at Jesus. Like, all right, I'll 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 be in your your city, Lord. I'll be in your kingdom, but um, I'm not ready to submit just yet. You right. Know? <laughs> Um, whereas marriage and discipleship is a total surrender, but it takes consent, it takes freedom right. to do that, any true surrender. Because, um, I mean, look, if, if, we're, if we're enemies and you're more powerful than me, so I submit to you because I don't want to die, that's not, I mean, we call that surrender, but it's not the truest surrender. The truest surrender is I'm more powerful than you are, but out of love I'm going to lay down my power and, and l- share life together because... I love you enough to surrender. And uh, G- God could overcome us if he wanted, obviously. Right. Right? He could make it to where there's no way we would refuse him. Totally. But he doesn't. He waits for us, which is crazy. He waits for us to, in a free consent, submit to him, which is the most logical thing in the universe, that the creature would submit to a creator. But that's what he waits on. It's right. Crazy. I mean, even when Jesus called the disciples, it wasn't a ultimatum or a force call they had the freedom to say yes or no to follow christ or no jesus says, come follow me matthew leaves his his job you know and follows jesus but he wasn't forced to there was something a desire in his heart for him to say yes even though he didn't know what the future would hold how it would all pan out and all the disciples were like that you know it we don't know everything about the gospel but there could have been folks that he asked that just were like i don't really know and we do know there's interaction with, you know, some of his followers that left when there were hard teachings, mm-hmm. you know, particularly teachings about the Eucharist. They, they, they walked away, or the rich young man who wanted to follow Jesus but was struggling with leaving some things behind, that he needed some pruning. The Lord doesn't force himself and says, you have to follow me. It's an invitation, and it is what our, every human heart desires, but oftentimes there are things in the way from saying yes um, that that are a mystery in each person that, you know, we, we pray and we hope that just like you and I, at some point in our life, there was a breakthrough, right? Mm. That, that that our yes became a consent, like, yes, I'm, I want to do this. I want to follow Jesus, right? Yeah. So, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. 
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. It's a melting hot. It is. They're having rolling blackouts. It's the sizzle of 2022. Apparently, it's not just America. In Europe, it's the same thing. Really? Yeah. Someone was telling me that like over a thousand people in England have died from the heat. Mm-hmm. Just in England because they don't have air conditioning. Right. And uh, they don't know how to deal with the heat. Hmm. As a South Louisiana person, just the idea that anybody would not have air conditioning seems strange. Right. But uh, to the point where they're they're so not used to heat that they don't know the symptoms of like heat stroke and these kinds of things. They just they know it's hot, you know. Right. Hmm. So we'll pray for an end to this summer because apparently it's killing people. So it is killing. I, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm not keeping track on like the deaths and stuff, but. I know, like, you know, you have rolling blackouts where they shut down the power for a moment in certain areas, and, you know, mm. catch up. But, you know, the power grids and stuff, which is, you know, you know, we run on energy, not on solar power mainly. You mm-hmm. know, there's some solar power, but, like, you know, any, anyway, like, whatever. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take the heat over hurricanes. Yeah, that's true. Um, any day of the week. That's but, true. But it is it is hot. But you know what, like... I grew up in Louisiana, and I don't ever, ever remember a summer that was not hot. That's true. Not one. Not one. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, what, you never looked back and was like, man, that was a cool summer. It was very easy. July and August are just like Antarctica for us. Yeah. Although this year it seemed like it was June, July, and August, but that's okay. We're really? going to get through it. Yeah. Yep. September will <clears throat> come. Yeah. We'll sing that. Maybe that's why that song, I don't know. <laughs> nobody knows the words, but. September. Maybe that's why they wrote that song about September. Yeah. Right. You know, it's interesting about discipleship and friendship. When you look at the, the people that Jesus called or followed him, at least the characters that we know and have learned about, they were all different, different backgrounds, <clears throat> um, different past. Uh, we celebrate uh, this week, actually, uh, the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great, you know, saints, not of our time, of their time, but she's timeless. And she is, <clears throat> other than like other than like the Blessed Mother Mary, like she appears in Scripture. You know, like we, we know a little bit about her, you know, as a woman, you know. And it's beautiful, like, to see her conversion and the tradition around her. But she... Um, there were there's some things that are very unique about her discipleship. One is that she had a powerful conversion. Two is that she she left everything and followed Jesus, and she remained in Him to the end. She was there at the cross, she was there mm-hmm. at the grave, she was there at Pentecost. Like she was there, like she remained. And to to kind of tie the theme all together is that she she committed to being pruned. Mm-hmm. You know, this ongoing conversion and pruning that that allowed her to become fully who God was calling her to be. And this is the the beauty of Mary Magdalene is that she's defined by her discipleship, not by her past. Mm-hmm. Right? You got me got my wheels turning because I never thought about those ways. But you're right. After the Blessed Virgin Mary, no one is venerated more. No woman is venerated more in Scripture or in the tradition of the Church than Mary Magdalene, which is a big deal. So as far as with us sinners, you know, those that were not immaculate conceived, she is our greatest woman saint. Right. And it's beautiful the way you described it too, that this idea that she, if anyone could have been defined as a sinner, which she was, 
by the church at the time, by the, you know, the community of believers at the time, and by the world, we would all say she's a sinner, becomes the greatest woman saint, second only to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. And that's how we know her. And, uh, and you're right, too, in saying it's her abiding ability. From the moment she met Jesus, she wouldn't let go. That ability... And there's a unique woman genius to do that, you know. Um, the abiding character of women is powerful. All the way to the end, even in the end of her life, in evangelizing, I mean, moving to to France eventually to spread the gospel. You know, the, we talk about the apostles going all over the world. Um, she was the apostle to the apostles. She was the one who went to the apostles to say that Jesus rose again. And she went to the ends of the earth, too, to, to share the good news. Um, she was committed to that effort as well as a woman, which was unheard of, right? Like that women would change the world, but she did. Yeah. You know, a lot, you know, people say, you know, it's like the, the church is just so like male heavy or, you know, Jesus just, you know, called, you know, 12 men, you know, really don't have a vision of who Jesus was and like who he called to disciple and who followed him. Right. Like, apostolic succession falls on men but his disciples were men and women alike like mm-hmm. and they had friendship within that mary magdalene just you know never got married like she remained faithful to, to jesus alone and was in friendship with all these other men and women who followed jesus and they all were very different people you know educated uneducated fishermen tax collectors, um, <clears throat> soldiers, you know, uh, it, it, it's a cast of characters, uh, you know, both probably the most popular in the class and, and the most, you know, outcast in, in, in the graduating class, right? Like mm. you go through the yearbook and, and you would, you pick the people who you would never think that would be friends and that was them, right? And Jesus called them specifically. It, it wasn't like, hey, if there's a sign-up sheet. If anybody doesn't have anything to do, come <laughs> follow me. Like they, he called them specifically to follow him, and it wasn't a certain person. You know, I think he he picked people, men and women, who followed him that would give us a good image of what the world looks like, what humanity looks like. No, no one is not called right. Like to. Yeah, I mean, it's the will of God, as we hear in Scripture, that all come to salvation and knowledge of God's love through Christ Jesus, all. And um, that takes faith for us because my whole life I've tried to devote to spreading the gospel, but it's so easy to get into a temptation of these people won't accept it or these people won't respond well if I say this or if I do that. Right. And um, that's when we get out of the will of God because I'm not saying we need to be preaching literally the gospel by our words every moment of the day, but there are worse things we could do. And I I will have to account more for not saying, (laughs) not preaching, than I will for preaching too much before the Lord, you know? Right. Um, I doubt many people go to hell because they preach the gospel too much. Right. But many more will spend at least time in purgatory because they didn't open their mouth more than they could have. Um, and so I err on the not opening my mouth part as much as I should. And uh, who knows, when the next Mary Magdalene was right there in the coffee shop with me, 
where I could have said something that, that started a journey, you know? Um, or it, anyway, so discipleship is a daily urgency. And I think Mary Magdalene's story uh, speaks to that because if she wouldn't have encountered the Lord when she did on the moment she did, she would not have become this great disciple the rest of her life. Um, St. Paul describes this as now is the day of salvation. When discipleship starts, when the call starts, when, like you said, that individual call, when, when God decides that this is the call, this is the moment, literally that person's salvation hangs in the balance because the yes to that, the yes to the call, the call might not come again. The invitation might not come in the same way again. Um, and so we have a responsibility to call others to discipleship, but we have a responsibility when we're called to say yes and to follow. It's a huge moment when Jesus calls disciples as he does today. Right. Um, you know, for some people might think, you know, is there confusion between Mary Magdalene and Magdala? Most scripture scholars would say it's the same, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Mary in scripture, you know, that, that, um, <clears throat> was a follower of Jesus, had, had this conversion. And, you know, I think like if you're looking at like it's your own life or you're interceding for someone, praying for someone who needs a conversion, Mary Magdalene is, is a great intercessor for that person. But if you're also interceding for someone or for yourself to remain, Mary Magdalene is a great intercessor for that grace yeah. to remain because she experienced both. And uh, she did she did both really well, but like her 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 life, like I said earlier, her life is defined by how well she abided in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. a lot of the disciples left Jesus at the time of the cross. Yep, she did not. You know, a lot of the disciples were you know in fear when Jesus was buried in a grave, and they sent. Mary, they're like, hey, you go check out the grave, you know? Or they couldn't stop her even. You know, like they, she was like, I'm going. I'm going. Like, you guys Don't are crazy. Don't do it, Mary. You're going to get killed. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> I, I'm in love with this guy. Right. You know? They, right. they were still in fear of their life, rightly so. Like, I, I, I can't judge and say that I wouldn't have felt the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, but she didn't. She was extraordinary in those moments of suffering. Mm-hmm. Because I think her her own suffering allowed her to really understand how important Christ was, and she was there. She was there at the cross. She was there at the grave, and she was the first to see Jesus risen. She was one of the first, right? Yeah. She, she thought Jesus was a gardener, right? Like she she like it was that powerful to think there's no way. And then she did. And then Jesus speaks and says, "Go tell him." What like? Yeah. Well, I think that's a testament to the danger of being lukewarm because again you use the vine and branch analogy let's say a branch is growing in the complete opposite direction but it's growing so those desires of the human heart you're seeking to fulfill them but just with everything you shouldn't be right. but you're still seeking you're pushing you're you're longing you're yearning that branch is growing and growing growing in the opposite direction well what happens when the gardener reaches down picks up that branch and grafts it to the vine in the direction he actually wants you have so much more to work with. You have so much desire and passion and love that's been uh, growing in the wrong direction, sure, chasing after the wrong things, but it's been growing and deepening. Mm. That's Mary Magdalene's story, is that God literally reached down, took seven demons out of her, right? But her, those demons came in because that branch was growing. She was seeking it 
um, in all the wrong places for sure. God reaches down, grafts it to him, and now this huge branch is able to not only attach to Jesus, but bear much fruit immediately. She knows what it is to abide and to grow and to give all of her love and her capacity to love to Christ. And it, it's like that with us. You know, even if we're co- growing in the complete opposite direction, God could reach down, pick us up, attach him to himself, and we might bear more fruit immediately than those of us who, you know, lukewarm, we forgot what it meant to grow. We forgot what it meant to love anything. We forgot what it meant to be passionate about anything. We're yeah. just we're just busy making sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> hmm. Like we're not we're not falling in love anymore with anything. God wants people that are ready to fall madly and deeply in love, and He can take people that are in love with the world and make them in love with Him. But it's so much more challenging for us disciples that have forgotten what it's like to fall in love with Jesus. Because what does He do with us? You know, we're not growing anymore. We're not reaching out to bear more fruit. We're, we're on the vine, sure, but he's not looking for us to solve any problems or to bear more fruit. He's going to look to those that are, like he said to the, the Pharisees, Gentiles and tax collectors are going to come into the kingdom before you do. Hmm. Whoa. He, he can say that to us. Woe to you. Whoa, whoa. Okay, quick update on our weird Catholic stuff, right? Yeah, sometimes you got to read a little more. Yeah. Or multiple sources. So. Well, it's a pretty crazy story, very layered, but... Sanquitaria was a virgin martyr, so she eventually she is martyred for the faith and remained a virgin her whole life. That is, so that's what happened. Does it say like how she died? Like, you know, there's. It just says there's conflicting reports. One one image of her that's kind of ancient shows her decapitated. Oh, well, there you go. Others show her with a dog, um, like it's biting her. So maybe she was uh, killed by wild dogs. Hmm. Um, so if you see Saint. But she says she's Quiteria. a martyr, mm-hmm. meaning like she didn't just die. She no, got, she was killed she, for the faith. She got killed but for she, her faith. She was decapitated or eaten up by dogs, one of those. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, I, you know, if anyone wants to make that movie of St. Quiteria, um, I think you should. I don't know how I can help. I don't have any money or good ideas, but, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll support you. Let's make this movie. Let's, People let's. want to see this. Well, we need to find out how she died. Yeah. Um, Let's get that straight. Before we, um, you know. How does the story end? How does the story end? Yeah. You know. (laughs) Like, there's so many versions of, like, showing how St. Joan of Arc died. Like, we know, like, she was, like, mortared and burned, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, how, like, the details of that. I mean, there there can be some, you know, licensing around that. Mm -hmm. But we need to at least know, like, okay, she was, like, hung beheaded you know well it's either beheaded or dogs maybe we can just combine them and, and there were the times like they would send like a pack of dogs or to like chase someone down and kill them like that's a horrible yeah horrible death yeah by the way I mean I'm so glad we're ending the show in such a high note <laughs> but the high note is that what we know about this amazing saint who was one of nine remained with Jesus I mean like abided until the end and and that's That's the goal like no matter what our life looks like and how we die or whatever like our goal is to remain to the very end like that's 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 the aim so there you go that's the theme just period no question marks exclamation dot dot done discipleship yeah get into it all right everyone thanks for being a part of the show thanks for listening in feel free on the podcast to share the show and uh, you can get it on pauljorge.la 
and uh, Spotify, iTunes, all those things. And for everyone in Acadiana, KLFT Radio, appreciate you. God bless you.